Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? April 10th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. Yours truly, Joe Farrell, back from Buffalo covering UFC 210. Uh, make sure you follow me online at Showdown Joe. Uh, give us all a follow at Fightful MMA. Make sure you hit FightfulMMA.com for all of your mixed martial arts news. Uh, very happy to be joined uh, by Sean Ross Sapp on this podcast here. He was feeling under the weather. He's finally getting a little better, uh, but we didn't have a chance to catch up while I was in Buffalo covering UFC 210, but I'm super happy that he's been able, uh, A, to get up, at this time, this is really early for him. Uh, this would be like akin to me getting up at 4 a.m., I guess, right, Sean? Yeah, I pull a lot of long nights doing this job. And fortunately, not a lot of news breaks early in the morning between UFC and WWE. Because they don't want to break it early because then the West Coast doesn't hear. But I'm up. I'm Adam. And I'm not feeling too bad. I, I got to say, that was the probably the sickest I've been since I was a child last week. And that was the busiest 10-day stretch of my professional career because as you all would get content, you all would send it in. I would have to edit it, upload it, post it, write something that went with it, made sure somebody had it transcribed. There, there was a lot that went into it, and this followed WrestleMania. Now, I have to say, over the last 10 days, UFC 210 is the most pro wrestling thing that I covered, without a doubt, and that, cover, and that includes WrestleMania. Why do you say that? Oh my God, implant gate and towels (laughs) and retirements and people going against their their corners game plans and contracts expiring and commission screw-ups. And I actually have a feature on this. It was the most pro wrestling thing. I get the bare bones of it. Pro wrestling wishes they could have written storylines like this. But they can't for for whatever reasons. It may be saturation. Like you this is this was all done in two days. Two days. And there's usually like a good solid four-week cycle to set up a WWE pay-per-view. And they still can't get it done this well. John Jones and Manawa in the crowd and Cormier cutting promos on him. Then afterwards, he cuts a, he compares himself to Roman Reigns. It's pro wrestling. It's 
what it is. Daniel Cormier was on absolute fire. Uh, obviously, with the whole weigh-in gate uh, and the whole, uh, you know, drop in promos left, right, and center uh, in his pre-fight talk uh, after he emerges victorious versus Anthony Johnson. Uh, I, I, is it official? I mean, he's embraced the bad guy? Yeah, and he should. He absolutely should. Why not? The thing is, he if, if you saw him and said, if you were like, create a typical baby face in in MMA. You would pick a wholesome Olympic dominant champion. I mean, that's, that's like, again, that's what Vince McMahon wishes Hulk Hogan would have been. He is Hulk Hogan with the credibility. That was the only knock on Hulk Hogan in the eighties was he wasn't, he wasn't really a badass. Daniel Cormier really is a badass and he's colorful and magnetic and charming and all these things. And the people just don't like him, whether it's being able to see him too much, hearing him cry and whine, because he used to do a lot of that. He used to do a lot of crying and whining. Well, he wouldn't call it crying and whining. He'd call it just saying how, how things are. But I think he has. I think he understands. And that comparison he drew to Roman Reigns and The Undertaker and how he just he put a dude into retirement. The parallels there are actually very similar. Yeah, good for him, too. He should. He should embrace it. Uh, for those that are tuning in live, don't forget, we do have the live chat open. Uh, just hit up on your uh, on the right side of your screen. Uh, send us questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, your thoughts uh, on anything UFC 210 related or MMA related. It's a busy show for Sean and I, so uh, I'll do my best to get to as many as I can because um, we do have so many things to talk about. But keep them coming. I'll, I'll scroll through uh, as Sean replies to some of the questions or, or comments that I have, and I'll try and get to some of them. In terms of that main event, though, Sean, Daniel Cormier does emerge victorious versus Anthony Johnson. And obviously, you know, Anthony Johnson, uh, a very strange game plan. Uh, a lot of us in the media room were sitting there going, what, what's, what's he doing? Why is he doing this? To the point where his cornermen uh, got frustrated enough and they basically gave up on him and didn't even, you know, join him in the cage afterwards. Uh, what do you make of this whole situation? And where do you think Anthony Johnson might be going after this? So I've got really mixed feelings, mixed emotions on Anthony Johnson. Anthony Johnson, as a person, has proven repeatedly, a lot of times he's not the greatest dude in the world. Sometimes he can be. He can be an absolute joy to deal with. Then he can do some things that are kind of frustrating and upsetting and not cool. This is about Anthony Johnson, the fighter, kind of. Because a lot of what he did in the cage kind of reflects that. Because that wasn't the game plan that Henry Hooft worked on with him. And you could see that by the corner audio. Henry Hooft was baffled, then confused, then downright angry about how this played out. Like he's like, what is he doing? Why does this happen every time we get in this situation? And then by the end, he said, this is going to happen just like the last fight. And then he got choked out. He fought like a guy who did not care if he won. Now... I saw Elias on Twitter say, well, he cared enough to break Daniel Cormier's nose. Yeah, but, I mean, you look – he did that with a kick. How many punches did he throw in that fight? Because it wasn't nearly as many as I thought. And if you were to say to me, what is your first comparison going to be if you say, Rumble Johnson's going to clinch with Daniel Cormier? I would say, well, it would sound an awful lot like Kat Zingano running full speed at an Olympian in judo. That's, that's what I would say. It's the same thing. It's, hey, I know that you were an Olympian in Greco. Let me just give you that. Let's just do that. Now, 
it's worked out for one guy by the name of Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, but uh, Rumble Johnson, no, no, no offense, he ain't Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. When he did that, when Cejudo had that advantage on him, I think Johnson maybe just wanted to see how he could test things. He got taken down, he got up, and he said, that didn't work, let's go to something else, and then he immediately won. He needs Cejudo repeatedly. Uh, that didn't happen with, with Johnson. When when uh, with Anthony Johnson, when he saw that that wasn't going to work, he didn't stray from it. He went back to it, which was really really puzzling. And I don't know if Cormier knew what was gonna what was gonna happen because afterwards you could hear him talking, and he's like, "Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Like Cormier was giving Rumble the stage if he wanted it to say whatever he wanted. That it's so weird, man. That was weird. And hey, if he doesn't want to fight, he doesn't want to fight. No big deal. But he fought this fight like he didn't want to fight, and that makes me wonder how long has he known about this? Yeah, he. By the sounds of it, and this sorry, not by the sounds of it, because leading up to this fight here, um, even in my own conversations with him, now they weren't personal conversations where we we were off to the side uh, or we were having you know just just breakfast or, or lunch or dinner or anything like that. Uh, it was sort of in front of the media, but with enough space around us that no one could hear what we were talking about. And the sense that I got was, you know, he understood that this was it. This was his second opportunity. He's never going to get another one. Um, time to be a champion. Let's change my life and stuff like that. That's, I never got that's a the thing. That's the thing. He would have had another chance. Two wins, and he's right back there in this division. Even if he lost this. Two wins. And you know what? If he goes up to heavyweight, wins two fights, he's right there for a title shot. It's not. It wasn't his last chance, I don't think. I think that w- Patrick Cummins is going to be a top 10 ranked light heavyweight this week, Joe. A half-hearted, one half-hearted, deflated surfer, TRT, Vitor, punch takes Patrick Cummins out like that's that's the state of this division sorry sorry to cut you off it's just there's there's a lot to to talk about in this division in this situation it's weird I mean Rumble Johnson if he came out of retirement in a year they could they would be able to justify boom title fight right away they they could do it it's so weird it's a very top-heavy division. I mean, it, it was discussed at the post-fight press conference from a lot of different media when we were asking the questions was, it's so top-heavy that you just removed a guy or a, a guy has now been removed uh, to take on endeavors outside of MMA. Uh, the one thing that I do understand uh, and that I get a sense from Anthony uh, just going back and forth was, I, I wonder if there's a, um, an, how do I say this, not an injury, but... Did he get a test that showed concussive trauma that potentially could be life altering later on in life where then he made the decision and realized that's it. I can't, I want to be able to, uh, to talk to whomever I'm, I'm, I'm dating, marrying kids uh, and stuff like that within 10, 15, 20 years. Enough's enough. Uh, by the sounds of it to me, he's fed up with the training. He's done with it. He doesn't want to take any more concussive abuse. I mean, the, the, the one thing that was, was attempted at the post-fight press conference was someone had mentioned that, you know, to, to Dana, what do you think about one of your fighters leaving your roster to go compete in the NFL. Uh, and I, that was obviously referring to Anthony Johnson. And then when it was discussed with Anthony afterwards, he basically said, why would I leave this sport yeah. for another sport that gives me the same trauma? And right there I said, okay, here we go. This is what we're talking about now. This is a guy who no longer wants to train 
who doesn't want to take any more physical abuse, most specifically to his head, and rightfully so. Uh, people can criticize him as much as they want. They can look at his past and say he's a bad guy, he's a good guy, or whatever. The bottom line is, is your physical health is number one, is most important. So I have no problem, zero problem, with Anthony Johnson saying, that's it, I'm done, fighting is no longer for me. I have no problem with that whatsoever, and I do wish him the very best. Again, uh, you know, full disclosure, Anthony is a friend, and, and I'm not going to sit here and hide the, the truth that I know Anthony on a personal level. Uh, uh, he's able to share this with me. I think he did a fantastic job in hiding it uh, from a lot of people, but I, I, I support him 100% in whatever he wants to do because – Fighting is the hurt business. It's not ping pong. It's not a joke. You know, you, they're making a lot of money. Not many, but people make these guys at Anthony's level make a lot of money, but are taking years away from their life. So I support him in whatever he wants to do, and I get it. Yeah, I, I do too. And that's the thing. Well, one, he wouldn't be able to play for the Rams even if he wanted to. He's thirty-three years old, and Brock Lesnar couldn't play in the NFL at like twenty-six. So I mean, that shows you how hard it is to get in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a really good indication. As you pointed out, Joe, I hadn't even thought about that. As soon as he said that, it probably is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's the brain trauma. And a lot of people are saying, well, he can come back at heavyweight. Sure. He could, if he wanted to, but that would be even more dangerous because you got a lot more heavy hitters up there. But if he didn't want to train a day, he could probably still go up to heavyweight, use what he knows and use his skill now and be a top 10 heavyweight fighter I don't think there's any doubt of that but it's a shame that the UFC is losing such a such a big name I mean you know he, he made some good money for this fight he made some real good money for this fight but uh I don't think his heart was in it and I think that reflected in the cage now I don't know if maybe he did get some test results back kept them to himself and maybe that's why he wanted to avoid striking as well like there are a lot of theories here It'll come out. It always comes out. It's always revealed. It's always unleashed on us. But this light heavyweight fight from last fall until today was the weirdest thing. Like, And it makes me wonder if he knew it back then. Because remember he passed up an interim title fight with Gegard Musashi? Yeah. Like, I mean, and I, and I had said, man, that'll keep him on the shelf until like next spring. Because Daniel Cormier was saying, oh, I'll be back February, March. No, you're not. You're going to be back out until April, May. And he was. But he, he passed up that opportunity. And with even with that interim title, your money goes up a little bit. And he, I think that maybe, maybe this is just me hypothesizing. I don't have any inside info. Maybe he knew back then, this is going to be my last fight. I want to win the real one. But he, he certainly didn't compete in in the cage like he wanted to win, which was the, the weirdest thing to me. I never want to say somebody threw a fight. I don't believe he did. But uh, you could tell that game plan is not what he and his team had discussed. And I was brokenhearted for him because as frustrated as Henry Hooft was, you never leave your fighter in the cage by himself. You never abandon your fighter. I don't care how frustrated you are, how angry you are, how pissed off you are. You do not leave your fighter. That was heartbreaking to see Anthony Johnson confused, like almost like a kid, like, where's my coach? Where's my coach? I want my coach to be here. That sucks, man. That's the worst. I've seen it happen dozens of times in, in amateur MMA, and it, it's stupid, and it's it's bad 
I don't care what they did to deviate from the game plan. They are your fighter. Now, maybe he's not his fighter anymore. Maybe they've had a falling out. I don't know how how that, that played out since the fight went down, but I think that's in poor taste. Uh, it's like, man, if you tell them to go left and they go right, you still got to support them. They're still your guys. Yeah, I think um, if I can play devil's advocate on that one there, I think Henry Hooft in the corner were more embarrassed of the situation because if you know if you listen to that audio, it's been transcribed. I saw it. Um, there was a site on Instagram that just basically had everything transcribed, and I read it a couple times. And you know, there was a sense of embarrassment uh, for Hooft. It's like, my goodness, this is our chance. We were like, so if you're so focused on, we did a great uh, camp. This is how we're going to do it. We're not going to do any of the stuff that you're you're doing in the cage right now. Now you're you're not only embarrassing yourself, but you're embarrassing the whole team because he's probably thinking we did this game plan for him and we did not do this game plan for him. So he's thinking, and it's just emotions that got probably got the best of, of Henry and the team. And they're just like, you know what? If he wants to go out like that, let him go out on his own. Screw him and blah blah. Not cool. I'm not, I'm not saying it's yeah, the right thing to do. Say again. Still got to. I think you still got to support your guy, no matter what. I mean, I've seen it. I've been in the corner of people who uh, didn't listen to what we said, and you still got to go in there. You got to pat their back. You got to comfort them. It's a part of it's a part of the game. And Henry Hooft is better than that. And you know what? Rumble Johnson is better than the game plan that he failed to execute as well. But ultimately, it's a part of the coach's job. A part of the fighter's job is to use their own discretion. He did that poorly. But uh, whatever, we got a pro wrestling promo from Daniel Cormier after, though. Which is fan- By the way, guys in the live chat, I see everything that you're saying. We thank you very much. There's a lot of uh, uh, back and forth uh, information. Just want to give a shout out to Mike Straw, uh, who was one of my cohorts uh, for Fightful MMA, assisting me uh, all week while I was there. Uh, Brandon Thurston as well. We thank you very much um, for your support as well, while you, while, your help while you're out there as well. Uh, these guys, uh, both Brandon and Mike, saved my life. Uh, in terms of some of the video content, uh, they were the ones that were uploading it. Uh, I have a camera, which is fantastic. Uh, it was the camera that was the Sony Handicap, Sean, that was huge back in the day before you were able to use a <laughs> video camera to stream. Um, content is 1080. Fantastic. Then I have a laptop, my MacBook, uh, and I had a discussion with uh, you know the site owner, Jimmy Van, as to what my next options are going to be because my MacBook has now stopped pretty much being updated by Apple because of the software and the year of the MacBook. So now yeah. i got to sit here and figure out, got to buy a new MacBook, should I buy an iPad Pro, uh, You know, got to buy a new camera perhaps, and try to figure out what I want to do. But Mike uh, and Brandon uh, were able to help me out and get the, that content up to you uh, as soon as possible. Uh, there's some shots being taken right now uh, to... Uh, Rumble's Corner, uh, calling them a disgrace. Um, you know, the, a lot of people there are, are on the site. Well, I mean, I mean, TJ Day Fins for Life or TJD Fins for Life, who's always been on the live chat uh, at the very top, said the Buffalo fans got screwed. I understand I that, think, but I, do. I don't. I think I'm, they did. I'm not sure. I believe it per se because. In the end, we got some really good fights with the exception of what happened in that main event, which is still kind of an exciting fight because Anthony was going off, but then ah, it just went downhill. This this was a two-fight show, though. In those last two fights, you have Rumble come in and execute a game plan like that. Then we find out his head was nowhere near the cage. Nowhere near it. And then that co-main, man, I, 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 I do feel bad for those people. Uh, as it pertains to the coverage... This this was a big day for Fightful because it guys that are watching I don't know if you know it's hard to get 
UFC credentials when you are a brand spanking new site. Everybody else, that, like a lot of the guys that are offered credentials are from like CBS Local and uh, ESPN and Sports Illustrated, and they've got owners from SB Nation and USA Today. We don't have that. Jimmy Van started a site. That, that's, our, that's our higher up. Jimmy Van, the, the dork you see on Wednesdays with your boy, that's our guy. And uh, we got some top-of-the-line coverage. Head over to Fightful, go to our MMA and pro wrestling exclusives because we got both of them. Between Showdown Joe and uh, Brandon Thurston, they got a ton of content. So hopefully we can do this uh, moving forward as well because it, it's crucial to have that as we grow as well because I, you know, we can, I, can cover, I can cover almost anything remotely, but to have people on site, it's invaluable. And it was important. Massive, massive difference when we're able to get to the actual event and do the coverage because then I can get there. Um, You know, I, I, you, you saw how I was treated when I got there. I mean, there's a lot. There were guys that were stopping interviews when they saw me to say hello. I mean, even Kamar Usman in his post fight um, started dropping my name nonstop to the because I was sitting back. I want to give Kamaru space. I was about three or four tables back in the media room when he was on the stage, and all the media had their cameras and they were just talking to him. I was watching the fight that was on the screen and all of a sudden I hear laughter and I see about 15 heads all turn to me and point to me. And I'm kind of like, what just happened here? And I look at it, it's Camaro. I'm like, damn, this guy's talking trash about me again. What's he saying? So I got up and, I, and everybody was laughing. And I said, are you talking trash about me again? He's like, no, I'm complimenting you. Right. Um, so he was, he had something really, really nice to say, but you know, Anthony Johnson stopped like two or three interviews when he saw me. Uh, he just kept coming over. He's like, my man, my man in the media workouts, he was saying, hi, uh, DC gave me a smile. You know, a lot of the media that hadn't seen me in a while, um, you know, were like, Oh my God, Joe, how's, how you been? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not going to kid you, Sean. There's some douchebags that are still around. There's some douchebags in the media. There's some goofy fighters. Uh, there's some arseholes in the UFC PR staff that I could care less about. But there are some people out there that are still the same as they were before. Genuine people uh, that know what I bring to the table and my sincerity and my integrity that I come. There's no ego. There's never been an ego about me, despite the fact that so many people are threatened. Uh, and and I think Mike Straw saw it. You know, he, he was there. Brandon, I'm not sure Brandon caught it, but. There's some losers that are so threatened by my presence. It's like, dude, I got nothing to say to you. I'm just coming here to do my job. I'm not stepping in front of you. I'm not stepping away from you. I'm just waiting for my turn. Stop being so stupid and, and, and being a little bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I mean, just settle down. I'm here to do a job. We'll talk about it more on the Jimmy Van Show on Wednesday because we go behind the scenes of Fightful a lot on that show. But the UFC didn't make it easy for us to be there. They, they never make it easy for us to be there, especially being a new site. So – that that was tough, and then of course the the second media day thing, the the uh, Pearl Gonzalez thing. That of course there was a mix up there. There was a lot of weird stuff, but I mean, we, like I said, we'll go more in depth to that, and we'll, of course we'll be talking about that as it goes on. I'm just glad I was happy to see because as I would edit the videos, I would see these people happy to see you. That made me happy. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, it's, 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 you asked me specifically before I went down, how do I feel about heading down there? Uh, and I, I was completely honest with you, bittersweet, you know, bitter, because if I was probably 10 or 20 years younger, 
I'd probably step up to a few faces and probably get myself in trouble because I've almost gotten to fights before uh, at UFC events. At Cain Velasquez stopped me one time uh, with some Yahoo media guy that was just like he thought he was never seen him before. And he stepped in front of the camera as I was interviewing Kane, and we almost went down there to the point where I'm older now and I'm a lot more calmer and I could give a shit about some of these people. It's just like, yeah, you do your thing. But going back to that credential thing, uh, I got to give props to a few people in the UFC PR department who called me personally and said, we want you here. We want you to cover this event. We know it's close enough for you to drive. We want you here. Please let us know more about Fightful MMA. Uh, so yourself, myself, and Jimmy, let them know. Listen, this, this is what I'm doing now. All right, you sent them like, my headshot, didn't you? And they were like, you're in. <laughs> Bald head, yes, no, no, you're no. in. I, I will say, I will say, I was like, I don't think he gets mistaken for Pitbull that much. And then the first comment that popped up on one of our videos was, Pitbull's into MMA coverage? Yeah, I get it all the time, dude. Oh my god! Even the whole that night of when I got when I you know fight night for me is very very special. I get dressed up. I'm always dressed up per se, but fight night for me is you you get dressed up, you look good. Uh, and when I was you know walking the streets of Buffalo when I was catching that train, I had my glasses on. And I cannot tell you how many people were just staring at me. Anyone ever tell you you look like Pitbull? No. Are no. you able First to do the? Brah! No, I can't. I don't have those skills. <laughs> uh, I know you don't like Pitbull. I actually do like his music. But uh, anyways, let's get let's I, get hey, back to the – I like the that? old song. I like Kulo. That's the only song I like of his. I like a lot of his song. tracks. I think he's, he's, he's very talented. Uh, he's a very good motivational speaker too, by the way. He's got some really good theories. Uh, I've watched him with uh, some Tony Robbins stuff. It's Believe it or not, it's true. Um, so, co-main event. Actually, no, do you, want, you want to talk about those promos that Daniel Cormier dropped? Do you want to go to the co-main yeah, event? Yeah, a little bit. We, we spent a lot of time on them. And not to mention, what's up with the towel holding? That's the, that's the oldest trick in the scroll, as, as we Can say. You explain that to people? Because some people don't know about that trick. Oh, man, as what Cormier did, he weighed in two minutes after missing weight, two and a half minutes after missing weight. And he came back. And now, now he says it's because he didn't want his ass showing to everybody. I can confirm that I had to edit the weigh-in video, the original weigh-in video, because Daniel Cormier's old deflated ass was all over it. <laughs> so, DC, your boy has you taken care of. Imagine Sean Ross Sapp with a fever, mid-afternoon, just dying, and i got to sit here and comb through frames of Daniel Cormier's ass to make sure they don't make it on the Fightful.com. <laughs> So <laughs> that was my day. That, that was my day. So you get on, and when they hold up the towel, you kind of push your weight on a little bit, and you're able to take off a pound or two. And you can see the you can see the towel, which is held up. It should have been horizontal. You can see where it was down a little bit. Uh, I think that was a little. That's that's just the oldest trick in the book. I can't believe he got away with it. Now the promos good for Daniel Cormier. He had to set up those two fights. It doesn't – the thing is, I would be – apparently John Jones may want to take a tune-up fight, which Dana White doesn't believe in. Uh, he needs to start believing in them because some people need them. Imagine if, if Habib had not fought Daryl Horcher. He needed that because <clears throat> he's not been able to stay in the cage since, really. I mean, he had one other fight. But John Jones needs fights like that. He's fought once in the past two years, which I'll say is as much as Cain Velasquez has fought since 2014, by the way. Had to take my little shot. But uh, he set up two fights because in case John Jones can't go with Daniel Cormier at some point, you got Manuel right there. Good. Good call. I did like that he said, you just beat Corey Anderson. Sit down. 
Oh, yeah. oh, at the post-fight press conference, he was on fire when he said he wanted to ensure that there were no microphones in front of John Jones uh, and Jimmy Manoa so they could, quote, sit there and take it. Shut up and take it, end quote. I was like, whoa, DC's on fire. Yeah, he made, made a point. It's his octagon. He won it. He kept the belt. You listen to me now. Um, so, yeah, it, it was good. By the way, guys, I do see you on there. Um, uh, TJD, obviously, Kieran, George, uh, Nicholas, Claudio, Sean Bayo. Sean Bayo, I can't drop names, my man. Come on. You know I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to drop names. Uh, as <laughs> as, uh, uh, you know, come see me. If you ever see me, I'll, I'll always have one of these in my hand. Just stop me for a moment, and, and we can discuss things, maybe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, listen, Man, absolute fire! I thought it was out. He was amazed. It was amazing. Um, the, the, the one of the questions that's popped up on the chat was, "Do you believe Dana White?" And they're, they're saying Dana White's full of shit, but they, that he will not make John Jones a main event. I'll tell you this: I believe Dana. I understand it, and yeah, and Cormier. Well, Cormier said McGregor's the only person headlining over us. Yeah, I could see that, but I mean, if you go by the way it. it was traditionally done they could put a heavyweight fight over there and there's nothing wrong with that either but it's tough it's tough to put john jones in a main event it really is after after all that's happened and daniel cormier being pun being punished for that is is unfortunate so that's the bad part right there yeah and now here's the thing are you waiting till 2018 for this fight because i'm not I'm not going to sit there and dwell on this fight if they say, well, 2018, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, because Conor McGregor ain't coming back anytime soon. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the co-main event, I will say this. And, or, one thing I noticed in that fight with Daniel Cormier he, is he landed an extremely effective strike. I don't know if it was a kick or a punch, but to the point where Rumble moved back, it was like, whoa, and then, you know, and then, you know, what's his, and then Cormie kind of fixes his dad bod uh, waistband. And it was like, yeah, bitch. Rumble's like, I'm not going to be able to play for the Rams now. Yeah, right. So uh, I'm happy for DC. Um, although he, he publicly admitted afterwards he did mess up uh, with the weight cut in terms of he needs to respect the process a bit more. Obviously, he's getting older. Uh, and he didn't. He was, you know, he's got two different types of suits at Fox. Uh, so he's going to have to, you know, get his, his nutrition game on point. Let's move on to the co-main event. Uh, the people that are calling it a debacle understand uh, yeah. it, it, it was very unfortunate. Uh, people could say all they want that, you know, embarrassing that Gegard Musashi was on his way to winning. You can't say that because anything can happen in a fight. Just go back and look at so many different, go look at Czech Congo uh, and Pat Berry. Anything can happen in a fight, ladies and gentlemen. Can you say that there's a good chance Musashi was going to finish Weidman? Yeah, probably. Okay, but there's no guarantee. What happened, happened, and then we have to dissect it in that manner. And what happened, unfortunately, um, was the referee, Dan, screwed up. Make a long story short, New York State needs instant replay. Number two, those knees were legal. Number three, when he stopped about to say that potentially they were legal and then was told they were legal with the doctor in the cage to check for concussive uh, blows, you get the doctor and you say, sorry, those knees were legal. You need to step out of the cage. The fighter is going to continue. We're going to restart this fight. Whether standing or whether in the exact same position, this fight needs to be restarted. End of story. Error made, fix the error, go. Instead, we have a stoppage that was obviously controversial. 
The thing is, Joe, the reason it's so controversial is because they couldn't have done things more wrong. Possibly. There is no way. They went, they whiffed. They went like 0 for 5. Like, you're out of a spring training. Like, you, you do that in spring training, you're not getting a starting job opening day. That's just, it's rough. It's rough. First off, <laughs> the knees were legal. Now, was it worth a look? Yeah, because it was that close. It was razor close, real close, but the knees were legal. So it shouldn't have been stopped, but it's understandable. Hey, close calls at first base, those are also looked at sometimes. But then it was consulted with somebody who had a view. You can't do that. No matter how right it is, you can't do that. You just, it's not the rule. So when he says, sorry, the knee's legal. Well, no, no, it's not. Not anymore. Not since you just called it illegal. So the wrong call becomes the correct call at that point. Uh, Mergliata calling an illegal knee, unfortunately, based on the rules that we have in place in New York, should have stuck. That's unfortunate. It sucks. But it would have left. It would have led to a better result in this situation. Then they say, well, you, you have like three and a half minutes left. And no, you don't. You do if it's an illegal knee, which is how it should have been. It's so confusing. But not when it's a legal knee. Okay, that's weird. Then the doctor comes in and he's like, fight's over. And Wyman's like, hua? To hua? Now, to be fair, Wyman was really milking it. He was, he was letting it know. He, he, oh, he got me. He got me. I got to give Wyman some credit, though. After he was shown the replay, he goes, you all are right. It was a legal knee. I got, I got a lot of respect to that dude for that for saying I was wrong. And he he admitted I was trying to gain the system. Now, it's funny, all due respect to Chael Sonnen, but Chael Sonnen, when he trashed these rules in an interview I did with him, he said, I've never seen anybody try to gain the system. Here it is. We saw a guy try to game it with the new system, the new, more dangerous system that'll either get you need or choked out if you try to, if you put both hands down. This was weird. And it's unfortunate that Dana White isn't willing to book a rematch, probably because he doesn't know. He's probably saying that because he doesn't know if Musashi's going to be here in a few months because Musashi is riding a big winning streak. He goes over to Bellator tomorrow. He's their champion, based on what I've seen this weekend even from Rafael Carvalho, uh, despite that nice knockout over Melvin Manhoof. He could be Bellator's light heavyweight champion if he wanted to probably. Uh he might even be able to be their heavyweight champion if he wanted to be. Uh, that's, never, that's never been a problem for Musashi. Uh, Musashi's got a lot of leverage here, uh, and it might not be with the UFC. So I understand why Dana White's saying, I don't think we're going to do that rematch. I think that he thinks if they re-sign Musashi, they'll do that rematch. But my heart breaks for Chris Weidman, who may have been close to being put out, Joe, but has now lost three in a row. And at no point in that fight were either man out of it. Uh, N-I space H. Okay. Wyman needs to stop being so arrogant. Uh, TJD, TJD Fins for Life uh, has a bunch of comments on there. Um, I agree with some. Who's that guy ever beaten? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know you say that Musashi does have some leverage. Okay? Yeah. And I thought about this. 
uh, after Dana spoke and after Musashi spoke and, and, and speaking with Musashi's camp and his management uh, and just knowing how the UFC kind of deals with certain people uh, or, or, or negotiates with people on their last fight of their contract. Now, the theory that Dana and the UFC are always going to have, and, and Dana spilt it on, at the post-fight press conference. He flat out said, uh, you know, Mark Hunt wants to, or sorry, the question was asked, look, that, that Musashi wants to, to get paid uh, based on his worth because he's beaten so many guys that are making so much more money than him. Uh, and he says he would crush Bisping. He's beaten Mark Hunt. And then Dana's reply was, look, Mark Hunt sold out an arena by himself. Uh, Bisping sells out arenas. Conor McGregor sells out arenas. These big guys have countries, full countries behind them. And Musashi... But what an event in the Netherlands! So that was the question. It's you being in the main event in the Netherlands. That's the question. Dana doesn't believe, or he's coming across, the UFC is coming across as saying, Musashi might be a great fighter, but he can't sell out worth crap. He doesn't have a fan base. Nobody really likes him. Despite Musashi saying... I could fight anywhere. You put me in Japan, in the Netherlands, in the U.S., uh, anywhere in Europe. I'm going to be there. I can fight there. What do you want me to do? Dye my hair blonde? What do I have to do? Now he's coming out, and Mike Straw saw it. Uh, he made a comment on the, on the chat as well. He's starting to see. That was also the question I asked Musashi on, on Wednesday at the uh, fighter availability. You're changing. You're starting to see that, unfortunately, despite being a very calm guy and a guy who's reserved in front of the cameras, different behind the cameras, the F-bombs are flying. The F-bombs are flying, and he's calling a spade a spade, and now we're starting to see a side of Musasi that was probably only designed to stay behind camera that unfortunately now has to come out in front for the fans and the media to see so he can get what he wants. There has been few guys that are company guys more than Gegard Musashi over the last four years. Few. Light heavyweight, he'll do it. Middleweight, he'll do it. Uh, Eler Latifi on a couple days' notice – uh, in Latifi's home country, oh, he'll do that. Sweden, U.S., Brazil, Germany, uh, Philippines, Japan, England, Ireland, the U.S. He's been, he's fought all those places in the last four years. Uh, Dan Henderson, yeah, sure, do it. Mark Munoz, performance of the night, uh, against Dan Henderson, performance of the night, against Tiago Santos, nobody knows him. Throw him on UFC 200. Biggest show they've ever – one of the biggest shows they've ever done, performance of the night. Then you, you put him up against Vitor. Okay, finished him. Weidman technically finished him. Dan Henderson finished him. Like, what more does he have to do? Now, I get it. If he, he could have been in that interim title fight at 205 or for 200, the 205-pound title, that, that would be pretty beneficial for him. Unfortunately for him, it didn't work out. But – uh He's done everything they've asked of him, like everything they've asked of him. And if I remember, uh, he made like 110000 at UFC 200. That is not enough for him. That is not enough. Oh, no. I agree. And with his, his piddly ass, I'm sure like 20000 in Reebok. Oh, no. Viacom's going to roll it out. Scott Coker loves Gegard Musashi. Loves Gegard Musashi. Now, there's a thing to there's something to be said for services rendered. Like, remember when Derek Jeter got that big ass Yankees contract at the end of his deal? Yep. That was for services rendered. That was saying thank you for being here and doing everything you've done for us. Was it smart necessarily for the Yankees? No. UFC doesn't have a salary cap. 
They've just got new penny-pinching owners. Uh, he's going to get a big offer from Bellator. He should get a nice offer from the UFC. Because at some point, winning five fights in a row needs to mean something. Like, I mean, your boy, Kamaru Usman, is the first guy, I think they said since 2007, 2009, to win his first five fights at welterweight. What's that mean? I enjoy your 10 and 10, guys. Sports entertainment versus a real sport. This is a business. We heard Patrick Cote talk about it the other day. We heard Patrick Cote talk about it the other day to you, and then he retired. So, hey. Yep. It is what it is, unfortunately, because the current era that we're in right now when it comes to the UFC and mixed martial arts, per se, is it's sports entertainment over an actual sport. And I called the rankings a gimmick. I'm sorry. Frank Trigg called the rankings a gimmick. I followed up with the story on FightfulMMA.com because I believe it. It's it's very unfortunate, but you look at guys like Musasi and you guy you look at guys like Kamar Usman, incredible fighters. They just haven't transcended just yet with that fan base. And when I say that fan base, I'm talking about the guy or girl that stops me when I'm pumping gas or I'm grabbing groceries or I'm taking my son to to you know McDonald's or whatever. Um, and they're not stopping me saying, "Hey, what are your thoughts on Musasi?" Or what about that Kamara Usman guy? They're not. They're asking they're me about saying, George St. Pierre and saying, Michael Bisping. Hey, they're stopping you and saying, hey, can you perform green light for us? Yeah, I could, you know, pretty much. I could. Right? I, I got so. a question for you, Joe. If <laughs> Weidman and Musashi, say Musashi does resign, if they move up to 205 pounds for their next fights, where are they ranked in a year in that light heavyweight division? Well, top five. I think so, too. Top five. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts. That division right now, uh, it's got good fighters. It's just too top-heavy. It used to be murderer's row. You know, when John Jones was coming up in that division, it was murderer's row. Now it's not. You know, those guys have all aged, and the guys that have come up there um, are not. And, and the scary part, uh, you know, is John Jones is still the youngest guy in that division, and he's the best. And we think Demetrius Johnson is having a fantastic run. John Jones, he listen, let's not kid ourselves. John Jones can do what Conor McGregor did and hold two titles at the same time if he decides oh, to compete yeah. at, at heavyweight as well. Uh, people could say that, you know, whatever you want about Stipe Miocic and how he'll knock John Jones's block off. I don't know, man. That reach is something else, and John Jones will have a way to figure it out. Now, I, I do want to see John Jones return to see what kind of rust is going to be on um, that young body of his. I had a chance to catch up with him um, briefly because uh, he did stay at my hotel, but it was super brief. He was with the family and, and the management staff and his and his, and his team. Uh, and, you know, we're just talking about working out and stuff like that. He was very complimentary to me. I was, you know, I said I was very happy to see you, uh, you know, looking forward to you getting back in there. Uh, and I just said, you know, I might be going out now to get myself in trouble. Keep your shit together, John. And he laughed. He's like, don't worry about me. I will be fine. So, you know, J- John, you know, we've had our problems, have- John and I. We have his scrum up on yeah. the YouTube page. Subscribe, like, share, guys. But I isolated one of the clips where he said, by the way, sex pills, fucking great. Highly recommended. I was on fire. I was like, what are you saying, John? You crazy ass. What is great. Wrong with it was great. <laughs> I couldn't believe that video hasn't blown up yet. That was brilliant. I'm going to write it. All right. What else, uh, what else do you want to talk about? Uh, do, I, do I sense implant gate coming out or what, what, what do you think here? Yeah, the New York State Athletic Commission, again, showing – themselves being completely inept uh saying that and and dana white afterwards going on this weird like donald trump media thing i'm not not getting political guys i'm just saying 
the, the war against the media there is weird as well. And Dana White saying, you don't say the fight is off till we say the fight is off. I'm like, dude, we were, even me from home, we're getting quotes from the New York State Athletic Commission saying the fight was not happening. Uh, they pulled Pearl Gonzalez because of her implants a few months after Misha Tate fought on the show. Now, here's what I'll ask you, Joe. Did this help Pearl Gonzalez's career? Because I think it did. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Because she's, she's on everyone's radar. It's unfortunate if, if, if a lot of people, fans, media, whatever, will always refer to her uh, you know, as the one with the, with the breast implants and blah, blah, blah. Because that has nothing to do with, with her skill set. Uh, I don't think she's, she was on Cynthia's level. That was evident uh, by the result. And you can tell that uh, Pearl striking does need some work. Her takedowns and wrestling does need Cynthia's, uh, Cynthia's a badass, uh, but I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. Pearl took this fight, um, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm never going to label her as the one with, with breast implants. It has nothing to do with her mixed martial arts career. That is fine. She's, she's looking good. Uh, I will take, um, you know, Dana going off the way he did, unfortunately, was comical because I'm sitting there and, you know, and, and again, I'm not dropping names, but I was with, with another one of the media members as the commission uh, walked by us, uh, and it was this media member that basically said, hey, can you give us a comment, because um, we were talking about it, and he stopped the commissioner and said, hey, can you give us a comment about this Pearl Gonzalez situation? And the, com- and the commissioner said, no, right now, it's not a good time. I got to go. And then before I had a chance to say it, the person beat me and said, well, what about off the record? And the commissioner looked and went, no, and walked away. Okay, so we knew about this. We got this information. And then Dana, um, again, I'm sitting there representing Fightful MMA, okay? And even if I was representing uh, back in the day Sportsnet, I was always very cognizant to not burn a bridge, especially with Dana. You burn a bridge with Dana, Fightful MMA, we're done. So I'm sitting there being quiet. But then Dana points over to one of his PR staff and says, you all know her. You could have went to her and got some positioning. Take a wild guess who I went to go see right after that, not even asking for positioning on the record, but just to say, holy smokes, this Pearl Gonzalez thing is going off. When you guys have official positioning, please make sure you include me. And this person, along with the person that got me to the UFC, basically said, Joe, not right now. We don't have the information, but as soon as we get it, we will share it. I said, that's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for a comment right now to go on the record. But right now, they, they basically said, we don't have anything right now. We don't know what's going on. We just want to have breakfast. We just want to enjoy our coffee. Yet Dana White is pointing to one of them and saying, you all know her. She's very professional. She'll give you an answer. And I'm just looking at her and looking at Dana and you could have read my eyes saying, bullshit, because I did that. Yeah. And no one it's, did. It's such a funny thing because WWE will always do that too. They'll have these media calls and they'll invite us on and all this stuff. And they'll say, hey, guys, when you want to take in an NXT event, let us know. Whenever you need access to somebody, let us know. Hey, our PR guys are always available at your disposal in case a story breaks. Ask us. And then you do. And you ask about JBL. And this situation with him bullying Mauro Ronaldo, supposedly. Uh, no comment. Uh, no comment. Uh, we can't speak on the record. Uh, sorry. That's just the way it is. It's unfortunate. But this fight, as a result, became it, – it was third from the top on the show, which is weird. But it became the third most covered fight on the show, accordingly. 
That's weird. Uh, here's something crazy to think. Cynthia Cavillo, after she won this fight, which the only thing I really have to add is she said she used the Nate Diaz line from when he beat Conor McGregor. She was not a pro fighter then. How crazy is that? She, was a, she wasn't a pro fighter eight months ago. She just beat a woman who, between amateur and pro, has 16 fights in Pearl Gonzalez, for better or for worse. She put some nice combos together. She didn't land flush or anything. It's that type of thing you do when you're developing, when you learn to throw the, the, the combos, but they're not always landing, per se. That will come. Dana White had a ringing endorsement of her. She can join the four horsemen of uh, Mickey Gall, Sage Northcutt, and Paige Van Zant of people who are going to be hated no matter what now. Are you buying what Dana White is selling, that she's going to be a big one? She could be a big one. She's eight months in. Uh, Now, what she was able to accomplish is pretty unbelievable. The fact that she debuted in the UFC on the main card of UFC 209, then turned around and did it at UFC 210, beat a girl who had 16 fights. Her, Her grappling movements, especially from the bottom, are so natural. That was very, very impressive to me. For, for a girl who's so brand new, she had a natural fluidity to her that does not come with experience sometimes. It's some of, sometimes it's just natural. She has that. That's very special. So I'm looking forward to her. Hey, that's, that's a new name in that division. You want to put her up against Paige Van Zant? Maybe make a name off of a name? That's not a bad idea. Paige Van Zant might a, beat her ass, what? though, on the feet. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was just going to say it's a fantastic idea, but there could be a problem. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can say them. my whipper ass. Uh, TG Day Fins for Life is on fire on the chat right now. And Sean Bio, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start crying in a second because you just I saw that. <laughs> if Musasi dyes his hair blonde, does he become the highest paid fighter in MMA history? Well, that's the only reason you're not the highest paid at Fightfuls because you won't dye your hair blonde. Carlos Toro uh, did it, and now he's making all the money. Oh, Carlos, oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah, you guys are awesome on the chat. I swear to God, I love you guys. Please don't ever stop. Um, Patrick Cote, thank you very much for everything you've done yes. for my career. Thank you. Uh, every time we saw each other in Vegas, neither one of us got arrested. Uh, thank you very much for I, – I, I, was, I was lucky enough to call Patrick's first couple fights uh, when we were with UCC and TKO. Started his career as a light heavyweight. Um, just and I said this guy does not belong at light heavyweight. He belongs at middleweight. And lo and behold, he finishes his career at welterweight. Uh, Tiago Alves looked great in that fight. Uh, I don't know who that who somehow got into Charles Oliveira's body and then competed against Will Brooks. Did you see that victory coming like that? Because I didn't. I didn't see a victory coming at all. But I he needs to cut the shit with all the featherweight talk. He needs to stay at lightweight. I can't believe you could miss weight three times and then be allowed to go back. It's a big win for Oliveira. Good for him. He needed it because otherwise he was getting fired. He was getting fired. As if, uh, like, you know how I say it, it's, it's very pro wrestling. The, the champion from the other organization comes over and he's got to put over a jobber in the UFC. And that's what Will Brooks had to do. It was obviously not scripted, but he lost to a guy who had lost two straight fights and couldn't make weight. That's, that's bad. That's rough. And it's like Will Brooks was like, I can't get Alex. Just give me any Oliveira that has problems cutting weight. I'll take him. I need to gain a measure of revenge. It, poor guy. I, I feel for the guy because I do. I'm surprised though. I thought know where you know, I, I, I gave the edge to, to Will Brooks in this fight. I really did. Yeah. And Patrick Cote, 
hats off to him for a great career. This is the guy who showed up on, what, a few days' notice and dropped a damn near prime Tito Ortiz, then dropped to 185 pounds, made it to a title fight with Anderson Silva. And it's unfortunate that he'll be remembered a lot for that because that fight was not great. But the, the problems that Patrick Cote posed Anderson Silva is, I think, why that fight was so boring because Anderson Silva, in his prime, respected what Patrick Cote could do, for knocking out Jason Day and Kendall Grove and Drew McFedries and uh, tapping out Jason McDonald, like going the distance with Ricardo Almeida. Back Anderson Silva was huge, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And then he dropped a welterweight and went on a fantastic run in the UFC Hung in there with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, Wonderboy couldn't finish him, so lots of respect for that uh, for for Cote for that. And yeah, Oliveira, that's a big win. That's a big win. And Alves needed this win as well. Alves and Oliveira both picked up wins that they needed. It's funny because so many fans are taking shots at both of them. Uh, are, are they going to be able to make weight? Well, not only did they make weight because they both moved up a division. They both emerged victorious. All right, before we wrap up this podcast, I do want to say thank you to everyone on the live chat, but I will give uh, the floor uh, and the mic to Sean Rossap. Anything you would like to discuss before we wrap up, wrap this up? Yeah, guys, sorry I'm a little out of it. It was a long week between WrestleMania and all that stuff and UFC 210, and I was sick. Uh, still a little bit under the weather, still battling it, but thank you to yourself, Joe, to Mike, to Brandon for the great live coverage you provided fightful.com still very much growing as a website. Uh, we're hoping to be there for several events in the New York area for, for Bellator. And uh, I think we're, I think we're going to be at the Bellator London show with McDonald and who is a daily that he fights. Yep. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm very happy for that. Trying to get my bearings underneath me. We have lots of pro wrestling, MMA boxing coverage, uh, Carlos Toro and Steve Muehlhausen do a boxing podcast on Fightful.com now. So you guys can have it that. It's beautiful. But, yeah, thank you guys very much for supporting us. Subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, share the stories. I can't tell you how much, how important that is. We cover the straight news, and also we cover the lighter side of things. We don't want you to get bored at Fightful.com. So we have photos, videos, interviews, podcasts. We give you uh, a look at things from – fighter perspective, from journalist perspective, from the perspective of businessmen. We really try to do it all at Fightful.com, so if you just check out the podcast and don't visit the site, give the site a try. I want to personally thank everyone who's tuned in live, everyone in the live chat. Uh, All I can ask of everyone is, is thank you very much for your support. Tell a friend. Tell one friend. Just tell one friend about Fightful MMA. uh, Let's continue... (laughs) Don't get me in trouble. Uh, If your friends are dead, dig them up. That's just disturbing. Uh, I'm going to have to mute Sean Ross's sap as I close out, or his mic, uh, in a moment here. But I, I do want to thank everyone who tunes in live all the time. We thank you very much. Tomorrow, uh, it'll be Elias Theodoro and I at 3 p.m. Eastern. I want to get his thoughts on a whole bunch of stuff uh, and try and keep him focused uh, away from Implant Gate because that'll get us both in trouble. Uh, but we will talk a whole bunch of stuff because obviously that stuff with the co-main event is in his division. Uh, he likes sports entertainment, so he'll have his thoughts uh, probably nice and wrapped up perhaps what happened in the main event. But I do want to thank everyone again who tuned in live to those who tuned in, who tune in afterwards on iTunes and Stitcher. We always thank you for your support. Make sure you follow Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor for Fightful at Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, Do not, judge him for his cat photos on Instagram. Uh, he's got 86 cats living in his house. Is it 86 now? 
It's six, sir. Six. Sorry. I was off. Plus or minus 80. I apologize. Uh, six cats. He's got some great stuff on there. Uh, give him some, send him some vitamin C if you can, or some money to buy some vitamin C uh, and some oil of oregano so he does get better because we cannot have Sean Ross Sapp go down. Um, this guy here, make sure you follow me online uh, at Showdown Joe on all social media. Give the site a follow at Fightful MMA and, of course, FightfulMMA.com for all your mixed martial arts news. Till tomorrow at 3 p.m., we do say ciao for now. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.